0: Hey, I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. we here for our live weekly, <laughs> live weekly Q&A to talk about the hard stuff, why it's the good stuff, talk about our sensitive and strong-willed kids, their resistance, why it's amazing. Mm-hmm. We're talking especially about words, our voices Neat. tonight. Mean Words. Yes. Whining, yelling, lying, not apologizing, bad manners. Are we raising little sociopaths? Like, what's the deal? A lot of us are worried about this stuff. Um, And we've got some opinions, we've got some research-backed facts. Um, We've got a lot of personal experience between the two of us, um, our sensitive and strong-willed kids who are six, seven, eight, and nine. And with all of you folks who are tuning in tonight, either on Instagram Live or on the podcast, who are in our Upbringing Collective membership community, possibly, who have done some one-on-one, two-on-one, or two-on-two private coaching with us, which has been so fun. Oh my gosh, so fun seeing everybody rolling in here. Yeah. Let us know. Let's get this conversation started. We have no air conditioning in our office, and it's very hot here, and we're sweating, sweating buckets here. Um, we want to hear what's the worst right now, as far as what your kids are saying to you, mm. what the whining, the complaining, the 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 like the negative tone the rude words, the Mm -hmm. teasing, Mm -hmm. um, the lying. There's so Mm -hmm. much stuff like this interpersonal relationship we have with our kids where they're like, we always say they're either expressing Mm -hmm. feelings they have underneath or they're experimenting cause and effect to try and learn. Damn, that feels hard. But even knowing, knowing (laughs) the reasoning behind a lot of this stuff, that's what we want to pull, tease apart a little tonight, I think, is to just help us feel more, more calm, Mm -hmm. more confident, a little more chill. Chill. That's another good one. A little more connective around our kids when they're struggling, when they're experimenting, right? When they're just being little humans out Mm -hmm. in the world trying to meet their needs the best way they know how. Mm -hmm. I like that you bring up all these things that our kids are saying that we don't want to be hearing, that are terrifying to us, that make us struggle, that are very triggering. And then I also want to be bringing into the conversation those things that we want them to be saying that they're Mm -hmm. not saying. Please. Thank you. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I need help. Um, you're amazing, mom. Um, I love you so much. All that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, someone's... Uh, our friend Katie's fangirling on our, on our crazy wall. You gotta get over here to us. see this. Get over here. It's like a red robin. <laughs> it's like a chili wall. Yeah, totally. Okay. So, so what's going on? Talk about this morning, a friend reached out, we had a mini coaching session with them. Yeah. They were just, it was one of those moments that we have with a lot of folks we coach with and family and friends where they're just like, am I crazy and feeling like this is my expectation for how my child should be operating or this child that I'm working with in school or this child that, that I'm related to or that I'm spending time with. Am I crazy to think that this lying or this back talk this um, manipulation, so to speak, verbally is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Am I, is, are my expectations out, out, out outside of reality here? Are they out of line? Right. Is it, Mm -hmm. is it too far for me to expect to raise a child that's ethical, that's moral, that's kind, that's respectful. I think that that's the fear that's triggered in us. A lot of these times Mm -hmm. when we hear our kids saying this stuff or not saying things like Mm -hmm. apologies or or, um, you know, like polite things, oh, they're going to be like, they're going to be a bad neighbor, a bad lover, a bad coworker, insensitive bad friend. partner, friend, mm-hmm. daughter, son. Mm-hmm. They're going to struggle. They're going to struggle socially. They're going to piss a lot of people off. That's what we want. to alienate. A lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think that goes through my mind. Every time my kids, you know, get really bombastic and swear, or they say really mm-hmm. strong, what we call high energy language. I love when right? you say that high energy language. It's like a really nice, like cloaked term for trying not to basically shame our kids for <clears throat> their development, for the way they're showing up right now, the way that the words are coming out, mm-hmm. all the things. So this morning, a friend of ours reached out, said she's going through some stuff with a child in her life, um, where she just was hitting a wall and she was experiencing this feeling of you're lying, you're manipulating me, You're only um, kind of accepting and working through your own perspective and not those of other people's slash reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And this feels really nefarious to me. And I think a lot of times, just like our friend here, we get into these things where we start arguing with our child about reality. Mm -hmm. No, you already got a cookie. That's your lying. That's not you true But you didn't get something right. Like we start actually getting into an argument about mm-hmm. it and that doesn't feel good either. And we're like, where is this even going? We're just arguing about their reality versus my reality. Mm-hmm. And so I think something we talked about that we brought up is that we have to keep remembering we can't get tricked and swirled around. Right. And rabbit right. hole into focusing on behaviors and words. That's the way we've been conditioned is to say, what are you doing and not doing? and What does that say about you? And I'm gonna try and control what you do and not do. And none of what we do and don't do technically matters when we can actually be focusing on why we're doing Mm -hmm. what it is, the root cause. And the root cause of what all of us do in this world Mm -hmm. is to meet our own personal needs and feel safe in our bodies and in our environment. And in relationship with others. Yeah. I was thinking earlier today about the, <clears throat> the number of ways, and I'd like everyone listening right now to just pause for a moment and think how many times a day or week or month you lie to your children and to other people. We're talking which about we'll do lying here. Okay. So lying is universal. I think what you're, you're kind of pointing to here, Hannah, is that lying is not demonic. Lying is not evil. Lying does not make us bad people. It makes us... Um, it, it illumin, illuminates the fact that we all struggle with soft skills, that we all want to preserve relationship with other people, that sometimes we get back into a corner and we're not sure how to operate, that sometimes we wish something were true. So we kind of just push that narrative a little, mm-hmm. hoping that it's true, right? So let's think about this. I was thinking recently about the number of times a day or the types of these, the kind of white lies that, that we can kind of tiptoe into with our children. For example, Oh, so you're illuminating the hypocrisy right now? Is that kind of Thank what's you. going on? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> okay. Obviously. I'm just trying to say this is so universal. Okay. So, and normal and okay. I'm so sorry. I think the mall is actually closed today. Yeah, you you want to go, but we can't go. Right. So, why are we saying the mall's closed when it's not closed? Because we don't want to say it's closed, but I don't want to fucking drive there. And then I don't want you to get mad at me because I don't want to drive there and I don't want to get into a big tangle. You're preventing a can of worms. You're preventing conflict, essentially. Right, so what's another white lie? Um, Oh, that's the last cookie. Nope, there are no more cookies. Oh, you really wanted another one, but there's no more. There's a big stash on the shelf that I can get you tonight when I'm watching my show and I need some cookies. That's a pretty easy one. What else? Oh, you know, I texted her mom and she said that she couldn't hang out this weekend i don't want a play date i don't want that messing with my work <laughs> and my weekend mojo so i might just say a little like oh no they said that we couldn't work that out mm-hmm. right these are the the little situations we find ourselves in you hear yourself saying mm-hmm. oh my god and that's not even true mm-hmm. but i'm doing it for a reason what is that reason again to, to prevent, prevent conflict, conflict to maintain relationship to reduce stress to feel safer in our own bodies yeah. so the same reasons that we lie our partners to our friends to our colleagues Mm -hmm. to our children oh I totally sent that email you didn't get it maybe it went to your spam are you sure to our mother-in-law check your spam I've done that before Mm -hmm. yeah but the whole reason we do that why we lie right is because we don't want to deal with the conflict and the fallout and the conversation and the uncertainty and the discomfort of having to work our way through that after with our kids our colleagues our partners or whoever it is most of us grew up not that confident and capable of navigating conflict with other people. Mm -hmm. So then we get into these relationships as parents with our kids and we're like, I want my kid to be conflict confident. Mm -hmm. I want my kid to be conflict capable. I want them to come into a room or competing needs or conflicting needs situation and feel like totally chill. Oh, you've got those needs, I've got these needs, I've got this, right? Mm -hmm. We have these goals for our kids, right? But it's really, really hard to get there because we struggle with conflict ourselves. And then when our kids show us that they maybe hid something from us and lied, Mm -hmm. it triggers this response, not just from maybe having been caught in a lie ourselves as kids and punished or shamed Mm -hmm. or controlled, right? We probably, all of us, you can all think back to something in your childhood or your teenhood where your parents caught you or a teacher caught you basically trying to meet your needs the best way you knew how. Cheating on a paper. Didn't go so well. Fibbing about something, hiding something in your room. The shame, the shame we experienced Mm -hmm. as as kids and as teens, it really feeds into this situation when we see and experience our kids lying to us. We think, oh my gosh, so much anxiety. Who are they gonna become? Or we think, how dare they think that they can pull that over on us? How dare they treat us that way? We Mm -hmm. center ourselves because we have a process that that, that situation that we had earlier mm-hmm. on, there's so much swirling stuff happening mm-hmm. when our kids lie to us. And we wanna take all that and say, you journal that. Mm-hmm. You go to your therapist. You talk that out 100% to us for Hundred coaching session to feel that. It's so good. But what I wanna focus on, I don't know what your focus on, this you like going? improv Q&A is. <laughs> you, love, you love talking about lying. I love talking about all the other okay. freedom to speak stuff. Let's Let's bring it in. We can loop them all in. But I think the general goal is to just remember the basics of why our kids say anything and to just remember that it's okay and we can chill and we can relax and we can work our own baggage about that Mm -hmm. and work through that separately. It doesn't have to be between them in these moments. When our kids whine and complain and lie and tease and um, say mean nasty things, right? let's focus on them, let's keep that focus on them and not about us in that moment because it's productive to do that, right? I think you're right in saying, you're trying to say, let's not center ourselves and say that hurt my feelings or you can't talk to me that way or any of those things. But when you say let's focus on them, I think a lot of us through conventional discipline think I am focusing on them, that is (laughs) mean. that is rude, that is unacceptable, we don't use those words in our house, that's not nice. Do you think kids know that already? I'm sure they know it already. And if they don't, they will learn it from the outer world. And I think that, that a lot of this conversation about our kids, essentially our kids freedom to speak, our kids freedom to say anything they want to us, not everyone in the world that it won't go over so well in their home, but just to us, our attachment figures in their home as hopefully their safe place to process is a birthright, right? And not something that we want to be shaming, punishing, rejecting why? When we shame, punish, reject control, what our kids are saying, because we don't want them to be saying it. It's inappropriate. Our focus is socialization or we're taking it personally and it doesn't feel good to us. Mm-hmm. There's an impact. The impact isn't necessarily that they know not to say those things anymore. They might know and still not be able to stop themselves. Sure. Which but the deeper impact is that what they were saying was attached. It was tethered. What comes out here is attached to here. And so when we say no to this part, to their mouth, what they're saying, Mm -hmm. we're saying no to the deeper human need at play. And we're bypassing the opportunity to help them build awareness and understanding what the hell they were needing, Mm -hmm. why they were needing it and describing it enough so that they can figure out a way to communicate that next time or over time a little bit more adaptively. Mm -hmm. So we're missing a huge learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. Secondly, we're also like really, Inhibiting our relationship from growing and we're breaking trust in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. We're telling them when when we're saying stop saying that you can't say that again, they're interpreting. I shouldn't feel that I shouldn't be that I shouldn't hold that and need that. And And they're also interpreting. I can't bring this to you. I can't be myself with you. I can't be whole and real and authentic and honest and vulnerable to you and maybe anyone else is shit. This isn't a safe place. Maybe to let myself. Free, right? And express. And the tricky part of that is that in these early years when we're censoring our kids and controlling their words and trying to quote unquote teach, right, what we're really saying is, well, right now it's about toothbrushing or a cookie or, you know, going to the park or homework or screen time or whatever it is that we're experiencing their lying or their big words or whatever about. But eventually that the modeling and the the normalizing and patterning that we're doing in relationship with them right now about their freedom (coughs) to speak and us saying, nope, not that, sorry. That's gonna be applied later when they get older. And we work with a lot of parents who have adolescents and early teens who are like, they won't talk to me. My, My tween will not share how they're feeling. They won't share what they're going through. They won't share any of that. And a lot of that can be just because tweens go really inward and they go through that personal time. But I guess what we're trying to say is we don't want our kids' personal phases to become private phases because they don't feel safe enough with us. Mm -hmm. So the way we show up right now with our kids' tricky feelings and bombastic words and all of these things that are so triggering, it matters. We want to be careful about that. We don't want to be like, say anything you want, I don't care. And we also don't want to be like, you can't say that. What's that Mm -hmm. middle way? That's what we work with. Mm -hmm. We did a podcast episode A while back which we'll link in the show notes of this podcast episode called our kids freedom to speak so check it out on apple music uh, or apple podcasts or whatever Uh, and you gave a lot of really good examples about ways that we can engage with our kids once we've simmered down once we're not so centering ourselves and feeling all triggery about what our kids are saying to us like i hate you or i'll never be friends with her or i'm not going to school again or I I won't pick up my room ever, or you're a pooty-doo, or go to hell, or whatever it is. How we can, when we're regulated, feeling okay, able to look beneath those words, to the needs, to the feelings underneath, able to help our kids put words to that, to help validate, to help acknowledge, to help translate what they're actually going through. This can start from a baby, an infant. This work can begin at a five-year-old, at a 10-year-old, at a 15-year-old. We can be working this on our own parents, Well, everyone. This isn't something that we haven't done already with our kids, translating the deeper need at play and building out what they're saying Mm -hmm. in a way that helps them learn who they are and what they need and how to get those needs met. Think about when we had like a baby or a toddler Mm -hmm. and they started being like, want, want, and what would we do? We would translate the thought a lot farther and go deeper and say, you're really wanting that ball right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, but it rolled away. Are you feeling disappointed? Are you feeling whatever? We would talk out and extend and translate these feelings that our younger kids had and couldn't explain. Mm. And the same thing goes with our, our kids and our teens. When they say these terrible things, we mm-hmm. get to do that same thing. I love that you really highlight this point, Hannah, that gosh, when our babies and young kids had big feelings and said things and struggled emotionally and all of this stuff, it was hard, but it was a lot easier in that period before they started targeting it right at us (laughs) or turning it right on their sibling and it and it's i think it's a huge growth curve not just for our kids but for us in that moment to say this is exactly the same as them crying this is exactly the same as a little year old baby melting on the floor and needing us to hold them and, and squeeze them and give them cuddles because they're just losing it yeah nobody tells us these things no we never learned that at age two or age three or age seven or age nine, totally depending on the nervous system and personality and temperament of a child, it will start coming out in words and it will start being maybe targeted at us or a sibling and that's all okay. So that's all part of their growth process. Mm -hmm. And that's the same as them crying. It's the same as them essentially needing something as they did when they were an infant. Mm -hmm. And it is the same job that we hopefully can step up to the plate and serve to support that deeper need, it's just no so, matter how it's coming out. I love that, Kelty. And it's also so triggering and difficult. <laughs> like, for example, when our kids were t- learning how to eat, they were first using their hands, and we weren't horrified thinking they're gonna be a 40 year old eating with their hands. Or then they were like holding a spoon and like dropping things. We didn't think, oh my God, and control them because we thought they're gonna become an adult who can't feed themselves, right? We had Same that with, trust. We had that trust that this is part of the stage of development that they're moving through. Mm-hmm. And let's con- continue to model, create positive associations, support, mm-hmm. scaffold the skills. Same for like starting to roll, then starting to crawl, then starting to like walk on their knees, then starting to pull up, then starting to toddle. Or None of us were like, what the fuck are you doing? Just walk. Come mm-hmm. on. Or just speak. Why are you just saying two words? This right? is like garbledy gook. I can't understand mm-hmm. you. But it really points to the, the bias mm-hmm. we have and the ignorance we have and the internal processes and emotional um, and social development that our kids have, none of us were taught these things. So mm-hmm. the more physical, like actionable things that we see in our kids' lives, very often we can trust and say, I'm playing the long game. I don't game. think that's necessarily true. A lot of times we can. What about hitting, I- throwing things? Destruction. Oh yeah. We don't all trust that, that stuff. Either. No, really we basically don't trust anything that we struggled with as kids mm-hmm. or that looks maladaptive or feels troublesome or threatening to us. Mm-hmm. Those are all the things that we end up clamping down on for our kids because is things it's so that scary. don't feel good to us. Yeah. Right. Seeing a baby walking, crawling slowly, that doesn't feel bad to us. We're like, they'll get there. Cause this is unthreatening. Seeing a kid throw something at your face. That must be bad because it feels bad. I think that's mm-hmm. the comp- the, the, the kind of like assumption we make in our brains, they say something mean that must be bad because it feels bad Mm -hmm. and not just because of our kind of more implicit conditioning, nice words, nice people, good people, all those things, but also the implicit conditioning we've undergone Mm -hmm. through all of our childhood and Mm -hmm. movies and yeah, we're working against, we're working against a lot. We have to keep trusting. And I think that this really comes down to so much is saying that it's not our job to socialize savage beings that are our kids right Mm -hmm. it's our job to honor their developmental process that moves through stages that are really uncomfortable for us Mm -hmm. because of our own trauma Mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with them and what they're supposed to be doing we have to trust in that process and continue to model and support Mm -hmm. and and translate those deeper needs Mm -hmm. but it really elucidates like where we come from and how affected we are by our childhoods and by our society, yeah. in the difficulty we have in showing up for our kids in this process, mm-hmm. on this spectrum. I like that you say we have to honor this, and I think that what is this spectrum of kind of working with our kids' wild words, whether they're saying mean things or rude things or they won't say please or thank you or I'm sorry, anything. We've got a couple other write-ins about saying there's, no, ad- there's no accountability for hurting a friend or they're saying I want to kill you or any of these things. It's just, it's, it's really tricky and I kind of lost my, my thread here. Oh, shit. It's okay. Your back popped. Sorry. <laughs> distracted me. Um, um, hold on. Let me think about it. Okay. For a Let's hold space for Kelsey here. Hold on. No, I, don't, I don't Those know. of you who are here, let us know what things do your kids say that are really hard for you to hear, mm. to hold in your body and to respond to it in a way that's actually productive. That's what we want to talk about today is our own personal experience and how hard that is. And then how do we wanna show up and grow up for our kids so we're not passing along the same shame, the same inability to know and communicate our needs, mm-hmm. right? That's what this is all about. Is the freedom to speak is saying, can we raise a generation of kids who are not just unashamed to say and show who they are, but who also have figured out a really adaptive way of doing it. Savvy. Not because they've been controlled, but because they've been supported. Yeah. So what I had been saying before was that you're pointing to the honoring of it. And that can be a really big spectrum in all of these things. Honoring can just be saying, I value that, that they're able to speak and share this with me. And it's still so hard. And I'm going to shut that shit down all the way to on the other end of the spectrum, leaning in, translating. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like you're really frustrated. Tell me more self-regulating co-regulating, which is what we did when our, when our babies screamed, we held them, we rocked them, we gave them a pacifier, we didn't escalate, we de-escalated, right? right? And that other side of the spectrum is validating, acknowledging, de-escalating, asking questions, showing that we give a shit about what they're going through instead of saying that wasn't good for my ears or that hurt my feelings or you can't say that basically arresting the development Mm -hmm. of their growth and their understanding of what they're needing, why they're saying that. Mm So I think that this is a huge spectrum for all of us when our kids are saying those mean wily words, when they won't apologize, when they won't connect with someone that they've hurt they won't say please. And thank you when they're just little, 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 garbage mouths. And we're, we're trying not to think, where is this going to go? Or this is so hurtful. Don't they appreciate me? I feel like you're identifying where we go is either in the past. Mm-hmm. This is so hurtful to me. Or we go to the future and say, this is so scary. And Mm -hmm. what is it going to mean about who they become? And so much about this work, being in relationship with our kids, showing up and growing up, growing up alongside them in that way, right? Is saying, can we just trust and being in the present and know that we're all doing the best we can and that Mm -hmm. our kids are doing things that are actually adaptive to meet their needs and build their skills? And they're dragging us right along with them. We just have to keep going, keep Mm -hmm. supporting, keep trusting in the process right here, right now, without going back to our own past necessarily, we can process that later. And without skipping ahead to the future and fear spiraling about what they're saying and doing and what it means Mm -hmm. for their joy, for their success, for their resilience, for our relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Let's just stay in the moment and say, how can I support this and make it better? How would I want a partner or a friend or a colleague to support me if I was dysregulated or if I was frustrated. I don't have to think that or if I hypothetically, was vulnerable, I don't have to think that hypothetically about that question because this happens on the daily. When I'm dysregulated, when I'm frustrated, when I start getting snippy, when I start with my partner, I start picking things up and being like, What's this? Why is this on the counter? What's this? You always whatever, or you never, whatever. Or I tell Hannah like, I'm not even sure I want to work together anymore. Or this is unsustainable, this and that. Shears. I go there. Oh yeah. And Every moment that I'm saying those things, I'm hoping from this other person, my partner or Hannah, please be cool. Please show unconditional positive regard to me. Please see through this smoke storm, this shit storm, that I'm struggling, that I need you to just put your hand on my shoulder or give me a little nod or walk out without saying anything or ask me how I'm doing. Please make this better and not worse. Please be the attachment that I need to ground me into a sense of security in my body, in my mind, in my spirit, Mm -hmm. in relationship, in this world. Mm -hmm. That's what we all want. And that's what we're wanting when we're saying these things Mm -hmm. and, and translating as so much of the work we do with kids, translating their, their lies, their whining, their complaining, their rude words is saying, Oh my gosh, these are all bids. They're actually speaking up from a vulnerable Mm -hmm. place to say, help, help me. And it's so hard because it's so backward sounding. It's saying, I'm pushing you away. I'm mm-hmm. actually hurting you, right? But remembering that we cause suffering because we're suffering. Our mm-hmm. kids seek to suffer or to poke because they're saying, look, they've got those mirror neurons. They're like attached to this. Do you see how hard this is? this is? This is so universal, Hannah. I love that you bring this up because it's something that I go through even in times when I'm struggling, like this week I was totally PMSing and struggling and just the worse I felt. The worse I did, and then the worse I made everyone else feel about me. Yeah. And it, it really keyed me into this pattern of how kids must feel so trapped sometimes because they feel bad, and that translates them into probably making poorer choices or being snippy or acting because worse. Because they don't know how to get their needs met yet. I'm 40 and I still don't. So I snip at my partner, and with every snip, I think I'm getting less and less lovable. I'm getting less and less worthy of connection to him. I'm turning into a monster. And then he reinforces that or you reinforce that by being like, Whoa, what's your problem? And that makes me even worse and say, Oh my gosh, I'm even worse. I might as well tank this even more. Mm-hmm. And it just puts me in mind of these, these cycles that we can get in with our kids where if we're able to, in the moment we can break that cycle. We can say, I know you're trying your best or we can say, maybe we just need a break right now. We can say, I'm sorry, you're struggling. I'm struggling. We're struggling. I love you. And we'll figure this out take some deep breaths, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's something we all go through and I love keying into those moments. Like I had that moment earlier today being like, Oh, being such a witch is, witch isn't bad. Bitch isn't bad. And being such a uh, dick, that's probably better being such a (laughs) being such a a lousy example uh, of a, of a positive relationship to my partner right now. And I, and I just kept thinking it's like reinforcing, Every time I do it, I feel worse, and he feels worse, and we all feel worse. Mm-hmm. And someone has to break the cycle. Where's the grown up in the room? Right? And we get to be that person for our kids. We get to be that for ourselves. We get to be that within our partnership. Yay. Yay. It's we get so to do hard. That. Hi, Claire. It's a lot of work. So I just want to acknowledge thank you for sharing that and connecting your personal experience as someone mm-hmm. who is an adult and gets dysregulated and relies on people in her life to co-regulate and support please and de-escalate. Please co-regulate me when I'm going right. nuts on you. Yeah, please. To our child's experience in saying, I'm treating you like garbage mom and I need you so bad right now. Mm-hmm. And I hope you know because I have a survival instinct and I wanna thrive, that I would mm-hmm. never threaten our attachment if I weren't totally dysregulating and str- mm-hmm. dysregulated and struggling beyond my capabilities to manage this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right you have to remember our kids have a biological imperative to stay close to us so that they survive. Our kids do not want to piss us off. They do not want to offend us. They do not want to create distance between us. So that's why they lie. That's why they sneak, right? Mm-hmm. But very often they can't use adaptive, literally adaptive strategies like that to protect our relationship and they feel open and honest and vulnerable, they know we're a safe person or we just happen to be the closest person at home with them and their stress gets to the point that it does and things come out, right? Mm-hmm. That's the challenging behaviors, that's the big words, that's the mean things, that's mm-hmm. the swearing, that's all of those things that they're still saying, please help me, please save me from myself. Mm-hmm. This is so hard and I don't know what else to do right now. And yeah. I, I that me bring up too this idea of stress, and this is a conversation we can begin in our families, if we haven't already, with our partners, if we have one, with our kids, with ourselves, we can talk about stress. We can talk about what our bodies are needing. We can talk about stress languages. When I'm stressed, I get snippy. When one of our kids is stressed, they start acting like a feline, like terror, like hissing, mm-hmm. scratching. They just turn totally feral. Someone else, like, they run away. They escape. Totally stress language is like, I'm out of here, right? another one stress language is attacking full-on physical attacking right now that's their stress language right now that's what their sympathetic nervous system does when it like cannot handle the world anymore and it's triggered into a fight flight freeze fawn freak out situation Mm -hmm. right they're not doing it on purpose Mm -hmm. their body is experiencing all of these things and their mind isn't strong enough yet to regulate their body Mm -hmm. right through their thoughts through their self-regulation. So I love that we can bring up that idea of stress language. We can talk about when our, our lids are flipped, when we're tea kettling, when we, it's not that we won't say nice things or we won't take deep breaths or we won't be pleasant with everyone. It's that we can't. All of us experience that. And that's what I really struggle with. And a lot of people we coach with are saying, how am I supposed to teach these things to my kids? Be nice, be fair, be sweet, be patient when I'm not doing that, or my partner's not doing that, Mm -hmm. and my partner isn't getting punished for this, but my children are, why? Mm -hmm. This is feeling unfair, and I feel like that's this great introspection moment to say, why are we we holding our kids to a higher standard than we're able to achieve, Mm -hmm. or our partners are able to achieve? And it reminds us to keep looking at every person in our family, whether they're two, or 20, or 50, Is doing the best they can with the skills and the stress level and the the temperament and the nervous system situation that they have Mm -hmm. and try to meet each of them where they are right and the reason we want to give our kids and ourselves and our partners and everyone the benefit of the doubt and see the beauty and just natural nature in their stress languages is because when we can believe that what we're seeing is okay we're much more likely to be able to deal with it Mm -hmm. and move forward in productive ways When we see something is terrible, we just shut it down and we say no, and that's the end of the Mm -hmm. conversation. And so when we say stop complaining, stop swearing, stop lying, stop whatever, and Mm -hmm. we're saying no, what are our kids learning? They're not really learning anything besides what they're saying and how they're feeling and what they're needing underneath is not okay. That's the end of the conversation. When we can accept it and say, I'm gonna work with this. I'm gonna do the best I can. I'm gonna take a deep breath here and engage Mm -hmm. with this with the three C's compassion, curiosity, and creativity. We teach our kids that their feelings and their needs, which are universal and never going to end, right? They're going to be lifelong that they're safe and that they can come in and notice what they're feeling and thinking and needing. Mm -hmm. They can come in and feel safe, noticing what other people are thinking and feeling and needing. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the life skills that most of us don't have and the root cause of so much conflict, unnecessary conflict and drama in our Mm -hmm. lives, right? this is a really important skill this isn't like we're not like bypassing and being like just let kids do whatever or it's okay just avoid conflict and love them just as much as you can like this is productive like change making shit happening right Mm -hmm. when we can i also want to allude to the fact that some of us really need not just a personal thing being like well i say mean things or i struggle sometimes and i want other people to be looking to that base need or the feelings underneath or giving me the benefit of the doubt or whatever it is, but also more kind of politically, more like big picture world stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Do we believe in tone policing? No, dude, don't control my tone. Listen to my message. Don't talk about the way I'm saying it. Talk about my, what I actually need right now, Mm -hmm. right? Or we think about gaslighting, bypassing, all of these other things, mansplaining, that we naturally do as parents to our kids when they're just trying to tell us what they need and how they feel. That's not true. Nope. Mm -hmm. I I can't hear you. Nope. I won't listen to that. Right. All of this shit that none of us as women are starting to put up with. We're like, no, listen to my message. Listen to me. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that made you so uncomfortable. Keep listening. Right. And that's, and that's the voice that we want to keep cultivating in our kids saying, yes, object. Yes. Have a problem about it. Yes. Be loud disturb mm-hmm. right how can we be be kind of valuing these things as women and then coming home and shutting that shit down on our kids that's we all the, do it the unconscious hypocrisy it's so tricky and that's what we're working through it reminds me of the book by amanda Montell called word slut mm-hmm. it's such a great book because she talks about all these ways that women's words especially have been shut down and the way we've been silenced like over centuries and as i'm reading it i'm like oh my god all of these things that we're trying to fight against as women like we do as parents that's part and parcel of conventional parenting can you say it a little louder i can't hear you if I'll you just be- use this word or say please or thank mm-hmm. you, then I'll give you what you want. As make, the your, in power. make your words match my words. I don't like how that sounds. I can't hear mm-hmm. you unless you say it in a way that sounds good to me. You are just so grumpy. You're bringing all of us down. Could you mm-hmm. just like put on a smile and be a little bit more upbeat, mm-hmm. right? Those are things as women, we're just like, F no, that's, that's gross, ridiculous. patriarchal, white yeah, supremacist, BS. Cool. But we, then we're doing that in our parenting. So just put, putting that out there, too. The Feminist best. PSA. Yeah, we're trying, <laughs> for all <of> us trying <laughs> to, to align beliefs and practices. Mm-hmm. That's part of the work, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's huge. Mm-hmm. that's part of that personal work. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like this has been a good talk. Mm-hmm. We need to wrap it up soon. But I think biggest message, can we be looking at our kids' wild words? Mean words, whining, nagging, rudeness, refusing to apologize, say please, thank you lying or concealing can we just look at all of it as okay instead of not okay can we lean in with the lens that it's developmentally normal that their brains are under construction and that the more we can address the all of these things being cool calm chill neutral at best neutral we don't have to be positive we don't have to be like yeah tell me everything about how i suck as a parent or whatever can we be neutral can we be that landing space for our kids to say, you didn't like that, tell me more. Can we help our kids explore those deeper needs, those deeper feelings? Can we be that safe space? Can we be that trusting presence? So they keep coming back, right? That says, I can hold this. You're not too much. You're not not enough. This is not ruffling me, right? I'm okay with who you are. It's not about me. Not I'm your mom, so you can't talk to me that way, but I'm your mom, so you can tell me anything even when it's about me mm-hmm. i want to know we want to know what our kids are going through <laughs> and it's hard right now but we're really going to want to know the older they get and the, the farther apart from us that they they get too yeah so and the, the more awareness we're building through all of these just thinking about it conversing about it thinking my kids can say anything to me and it's okay even when it hurts the more we're shaving down that conflict of interest until it's gone mm. and we can just be two people in the room sharing our authentic selves we can be that that true listening partner to our kids that will hopefully carry us through our whole life and relationship with them yeah they can keep coming back to us and we can't always do that and so i just want to acknowledge what we always talk about too that that's why we have two other moments not just in the moment when we're trying to show up with presence for our kids Mm -hmm. and say yes you me yes those feelings all of it yes Even in our heads, we're like, oh my God, sometimes we can't show up that way. We're busy, we're stressed, Mm -hmm. we're triggered, right? All of those things, but we always have before and after. We have processing after, which we call our circle back. And then we have before, like the next day or another time, what we call the circle up, which is preparation, right? To Mm -hmm. say, I can connect with my kid. We can process what happened. We can figure out what's going on Mm -hmm. next time. I I can apologize for showing up that way and say, Mm -hmm. it wasn't about you, it was about me. And I want to know what was going on for you. How were you feeling? What were you needing? Right? I love that you're highlighting that something we work in all of our coaching calls with people and in the upbringing collective membership community, the middle present moment with our kids, when they're saying those mean things, when they're struggling verbally, when they're hurting us, Mm -hmm. any of those things is the hardest moment to show up in beginning. And we can start by work starting on the outsides before something happens, when we see them simmering before a tense, situation where we know maybe they might not show up that well, we can connect. And after, post-processing, not the grill back, I need you to say something nicer, that really hurt so-and-so, all of these things that are really shame-filled, but gosh, that was hard, I'm so sorry, honey. Let's talk about this. What were you needing? I was needing, they were needing. Teaching. And we can slowly be working our way in to that moment so we can be showing up as that sensitive support staff, ideally, as that cool, calm, relaxed, neutral person we all need which is why we go to therapy right because we all need that Therapists are that that person mm-hmm. right partners might be that person friends girlfriends boyfriends might be mm-hmm. that person colleagues might be that person can we model that person for our kids so that they can seek that person out as they grow older and mm-hmm. know who are safe people to lean on and to confide in mm-hmm. and to be themselves around it's really important for our kids mental health physical health right for Just their their human experience. Mm -hmm. It's what we could all ask for and, and desire ourselves. And they deserve it too. Yeah. I think if we can end on some mantras that help us in that moment to try to make things better instead of worse, we can be thinking, this is not about me. We can be thinking, this is normal that my kid is saying these things. This is necessary. This is natural. We can be thinking, I want them to trust me and confide in me. We can be thinking... I can share about this with someone else who's not my kid later. We can be thinking, this is not an emergency because our bodies sometimes in those moments when our kids are bad-mouthing us or yelling things or refusing to say please or thank you or I'm sorry, it might feel like a very dire emergency sometimes. Can you think of any other ones? Those were all amazing. I'm feeling very calm just listening to you (laughs) saying these things. So get them on a sticky note, Mm -hmm. write them on your hand, check them in the mirror in the morning, It's Mm -hmm. all okay. This is not about us, this is about our kids. And I think a fundamental misunderstanding about our job as parents, which we've been conditioned to think is to socialize and teach, thereby coercing, um, censoring, all of these things, as opposed to just support. We don't have to teach. We can just support, and that's the best learning that our kids can have is through our unconditional love and support, especially when they're struggling. I love it. I think that before we wrap up, I wanna add some concrete support. And I know we talked about those, we did mantras, we did a few examples, but let's do some actual, like what would we say to translate our kids lie? What would we say to translate Mm -hmm. our kids wild words? I'm just afraid my phone's gonna die, but. Oh, oh wait, is this a, this looks like a wrong plug. I can go get one. Why don't you do a a couple examples? I'll grab a charger. Okay. Uh, someone wrote in and said uh, the hardest part Sorry. for them right now is mean words, violent words when your kid says they want you to die. Sad face. And I don't know if any of you have experienced your kids um, basically their stress, like we talked about earlier, their stress behavior projected at you, a safe attachment figure, right? Um, but it's really unnerving. It's really destabilizing. It's really uncomfortable. It's Offensive. It's saddening. um, It's anxiety-inducing. It's all the things. Um, And again, back to the beginning of this um, this live Q and A. It makes us wonder. Oh my gosh, do they actually feel that way about us? Oh my gosh, are they gonna? um, Are they sociopath? Are they gonna be saying these things to other people over time? It makes us feel like. Oh my gosh, we have to stop this, right? But we have to keep remembering when we go to stop things and use control, our kids don't learn, and as much as we want them to. They learn shame about their needs and themselves. They feel distrust in our relationship because they're misunderstood. So we wanna show up, like we've been talking about this this episode, with as much compassion, curiosity, and creativity as we can. And remember that just like when they needed a little bit of support in getting that spoon to their mouth or just like they needed a little support in saying what they needed about a ball when they were a toddler, or just like they needed a little support in walking before they fell down, we get to support them in moving through a feeling that they're trying to describe the best way they know how, with the words and the skills that they have and the self-regulation that they've got. And the more that we can lean in and fill in the deeper needs at play, the more they're gonna learn how to do that over time and be able to do that instead of resorting to what we call the tabloids, where kids will go very extreme. They will go very like blown out, high high energy, big language super binary saying things like you never this or you always this or I'm never going to do that or you're the worst mom it's like that type of thing that it's like it it gets a little bit um, scary but really what it is is just a very just basic representation of what's the nuanced situation that's going on inside so again just like our kids were crying and we'd say how are you doing what's going on with their like cute little babies when we hear our kids saying they want us to die or that they're experimenting with like oh, violent language or whatever it is, we can lean in the same way as parents. We can say, oh, you're wanting that, or you're feeling really strongly about something, or you're struggling right now, or you seem angry. So we're saying compassion. I get you, I'm here with you. You're not alone in these scary feelings. Our kids don't wanna be feeling hatred toward us. They don't wanna be feeling hatred toward the world. They don't wanna be feeling any of those things. So. Uh, we have to remember that we can offer compassion to them in those moments and, um, and help them calm, right? That's actually what's going to help them kind of become more receptive to what's actually at play and how to get those needs met. Mm -hmm. So once they're chilled a little and we say, oh, you're feeling upset about me about something, then we can get curious and we can say, what is it? Is it that this, is it that that, whatever our kids are saying, whether it's a lie, whether it's of like teasing or like really violent language we can always say oh what are you doing are you like experimenting or oh are you wanting this are you wanting that if it makes sense to dive in and focus on what their deeper need is let's try and see if they want to go that way with us so that's where we go from compassion to curiosity yeah And then we can always go from curiosity, sometimes compassion is all we need and they're just like, anyway, and they've moved on being like, okay, now I know more about what my need was and I've built some language around it thanks to you, mom or dad or whoever. Then they may be like curiosity, okay, I know that too now, I feel a little more clear in what was going on for me. But then sometimes there really is a deeper need that they're wanting to get met by what they're saying to us. And that's where we use our third C, which is creativity. So that's where we say, what can we do to get that need met? So we're not, again, focusing on the behavior saying, you can't say that, which like really gets us nowhere. We've gone all the way through. Especially saying, when they won't stop saying that. <laughs> yeah. They just keep going. Right? They're like, you don't want me to say it? I'm going to just take it up a notch. Right. But so then we get to the point where it's like, okay, what are we going to do to meet that need that we've discovered in having this conversation rather than this control-based interaction? And that's when we can figure out, okay, what can we do? And we're teaching them life skills and problem solving skills and innovation skills in finding ways to get their needs met that work for other people also so, yeah also right for them and other people <laughs> exactly
1: what, those what are your thoughts
0: on it i love those examples <clears throat> someone said wish my mom would know had known this when i was young instead of yelling at me oh yeah Sorry. i feel like we yeah. all have those those feelings coinciding with trying to interact in a different way with our kids' wild words. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I wish that I'd been held with this compassion and curiosity. Gosh, this would have felt really nice. Or, gosh, this would feel really nice from a partner and I'm not getting that. Mm -hmm. And I think that can often dovetail too into, why do I have to do this for my kid? I never got this. Mm -hmm. That sense of resentment. Mm -hmm. Why why do they deserve it? Mm -hmm. When we didn't get it, when we didn't get it, it's really tricky, it's a lot. Deep breaths, everyone. Mm-hmm. I think that you lead us to a really great place, Kelty, in saying, if we are being called to accept and support our kids' wild words and high-energy talk and radical needs and deep human right desires, then we also have to honor those in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that feeling of resentment that comes up when we're like, "Oh my gosh, I have to be like." boot on the mountain to them and they're getting all this amazing care and like I didn't get that I'm just supposed to be nodding while they're treating me like garbage let's focus that back on ourselves and say how can we meet those needs through other relationships not our kids relationship they don't owe us anything that's not their job they weren't born to make us feel better and to heal our wounds necessarily they're just trying to meet their own needs to survive Mm -hmm. so let's focus that on on our relationships with other people on our own personal growth and say we can we can be doing this work. We can find ways to say how strongly we feel about stuff. I think that's where like <laughs> mom rage comes from. <laughs> it's, it's it's given permission in a weird way by allowing it for our kids or being triggered by our kids' authentic um, drive to do that. Yeah. Right, and saying where can I mom rage? Where can I explain how mad I am or how resentful I feel mm-hmm. or how much I hate something? or whatever it is which is then also reinforced when our partners or our Mm. neighbors are like wow lady that's too strong or anger is not okay if you can just speak kindly to me it's kind of reinforcing where you're like no listen to me Mm -hmm. okay i should be able to listen to my kids anger too when someone's really worked up and dysregulated they're struggling and they're looking for listeners here Mm -hmm. we can't always be those listeners for our kids other people can't always be that listener for us Mm -hmm that's okay too to set personal boundaries. So if our kids are swearing and using teasing language or high energy talk or any of those things, and it's too much for us and we don't feel safe or comfortable, instead of trying to control them, so much of the work we can do is saying, what personal boundary can I set and saying, I need a little break. I need some you know, fresh The, air. the noise this level in so, here is a little high. I think is, I might. This language is really intense and I'm struggling to handle it right now, mm. right? And then we take ourselves away. And we do that so that it's not shaming our kids for what they're just trying to get done developmentally. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I said, I'm deeply grateful for my kids for teaching me a healthier way of being in relationship. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the opposite of what you're saying, but they're models for me. They are I love that, that idea that yeah. our kids are raw. They're unjaded they're They're uncoerced and conditioned in that beautiful way. And instead of trying to make our kids more like us and more like society, we keep looking to them as as an inspiration for us to be authentic to to be pissed off to be vulnerable mm-hmm. to be open and honest, not necessarily to our kids all the time, mostly to other people because of our attachment relationship, but yeah yeah they're models for us too, and mm-hmm. love that let's all just keep talking I feel like that's the the takeaway here for me it's just. <laughs> Let people talk, let people express, let people be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't have to mean everything. We don't have to be hopping on the cancel culture train with no. our kids, No. right? And shutting that stuff down. We don't have to add, right? right. To struggle. Call suffer. Calling people out, The call out culture. We, we don't have to do any of that with our kids. We can be setting personal boundaries, like I love you said, Han. Mm-hmm. We can be calling in our kids when we're able to connect about something they said or the way they were acting or what they were going through or any of those things. Yeah. Remembering right. that security is what all of us is desiring in our lives through every interaction is to feel safer in who we are and where we are and who we're with. And that's their prerogative. That's our prerogative. And let's just keep honoring that and keep seeking that out, right? For them, for us, for all of us. We're all here for that. And that's why we're so grateful that you're here listening or watching right now. You're doing the work. Right? You're honoring that for yourself, for your kids, for future generations. It's pretty awesome. It's a lot of cycle breaking happening. Yeah. And a lot of <clears throat> important reckoning of power and privilege both within the, the parent-child dynamic and our greater you know, society mm-hmm. as cis, straight, able-bodied um, white women. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are in this group yeah. saying this is important work that we're doing right now and dismantling a lot of these oppressive systems that we're trying to, to get rid of outside in society, we can be working on here at home. Mm-hmm. Just through the way we're leaning into our kids calling us poopy faces. Right, so Sanity, it's all part of it. Social change. <laughs> Those are the two things we're going for. Yeah, yeah. thanks for being here everybody. <laughs> Ooh, we have a puppy who needs us, desperately. We're not gonna Jeez. shame you for your barking. No. Even the animals in our lives. Let's yeah. go I keep hearing them. people being like, don't bark, shh, shh, don't bark. And I'm like, they have a need. That's where they express <laughs> the skills they have. How can you tell a puppy not to bark? She's that's, saying that's something. That's where we're at. She's saying something. She's oh, so big. cute. Okay. Uh, we're going to sign off, but we're, we'll be back soon. Thank Bye. you, everyone.